scientists thought that because of all the advancements within technology, we would only work 15 hours a week in the future. But as we all know, that definitely did not happen. Today, I'm talking to Dennis and he has a lot of good ideas to why this has happened. So many ideas that he actually wrote a book about it. This is one of my favorite talks and it's easy to tell because the episode is a little longer than it usually is. This podcast is about getting smarter and sharing ideas. And that is also why I'm so proud of this episode. There's a lot to be learned from what Dennis has to say. And even though that we are not in agreement of everything, I think he is onto something that we cannot ignore. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Let's get started. Dennis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited. I'm a big fan of uh, your book. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. Um, the reason why I really like your book is because I think it's, uh, it touches about some really important stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so in a nutshell, in a second, you will tell us, give us a little introduction uh, of yourself. But mm -hmm. the topic for today is um, Soda Work, as your uh, book is called. And I will also let you introduce what it is, and we'll talk more about that. So if you could start by a short introduction, but as you know, you can't say what you're working with too much. <laughs> Not now, because we'll get into that later. Mm. Um, so who is Dennis? Dennis is a father of uh, four, um, living in northern Sealand, uh, but originally from Jutland. Uh, I lived there for most of my life. Um, I have been, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a political person. I'm interested in politics. I have... Uh, always been opinionated, <laughs> as they say, about large and small. Um, and that, uh, so, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also very uh, driven by the, the, you know, the political values that I have had as for as long as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to bring that into not just my, my, my professional life, but also how I treat my kids and my wife and my family and, you know, the, the sort of, sort of home I want to establish. Mm -hmm. Sounds really good. Mm -hmm. And um, I, th I heard something about you like chainsaws. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> and then I like chainsaws. <laughs> I have a collection. I'm not a collection. Uh, three, three chainsaws, which is too much, you know, because yeah. you basically only need one yeah. for the job. Yeah, I like, I like cutting down trees. I have a, uh, I have a house in, in Småland in Sweden, um, where I, which is a place I just go to forget myself and and from time to time I cut trees down because it's a large it's a large area and you have to do that uh, yeah. both to get firewood but of course also because they get in the way so but it's a way of, of I enjoy that you know it's it's hard work it's also slightly dangerous mm. um, <laughs> but it uh, and my wife is a little bit concerned about it, but but it is funny. Does she have reason to be concerned? No, I know what I'm. You know, I've been I've been doing tree cutting with my father since I was ah, a okay. kid. So you know, I, I, I it's it's the forces of nature, but I know mm. it it I know how to predict a good fall. <laughs> Is so, it is it because it's a contra uh, contrast to what you normally do? I mean, I think you know, yeah, but you know, body. basically, also you know, relating to to uh, pseudo work, basically, I I'd like to do stuff that makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, if I I could easily lose weight and be more you know 
get exercise by standing on a treadmill somewhere. But I don't want to do that because it seems pointless. Uh, then I would much rather run in the forest or do some tree cutting because I basically can see a result from that. The other thing mm. seems like a futile way to exercise. Yeah. So if there's a way you could actually make something that's meaningful out of doing a, 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 an activity which is a bit tedious yeah. uh, or could be hard, then I think it's much, much more worthwhile. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I, you know, running isn't really my thing either. So uh, some gardening yeah. uh, work is, yeah. is is a good way of uh, decluttering uh, your mind and exactly. If I stand there and, and do that, you know, in a in a on a treadmill, I feel that I've just completely wasted my time. Yeah, I can relate. Okay, so for today's topic, mm. we are going to talk about your book. Um, but before we get into that, maybe we should just uh, get an overall understanding uh, of the term that you're using in your book and sure. also related to the title. Mm. Well, pseudo work basically means work that imitates work. Uh, if we agree that work essentially, I think, is uh, a way to create something of, of value, something that, that is of, of, of use, something that that makes the world, the product, the relationship with the clients or citizens better if it's some, something that people actually uh, think has value for them. If we think work is that, it, it, it transforms and creates something that is of use to people. Um, and and pseudo-work does not do that. Pseudo-work just imitates it. Uh, you could be very busy doing it, you could have spent a lot of time doing it, but in reality, if you stopped doing it, nothing would happen. You know, mm. Nobody would really want it. Nobody would say, I miss that type of work. And in that way, it could be the classic, the classic type of pseudo-work that, that comes to mind for most people is mindless meetings and mm. reports that nobody ever reads or sitting and doing some strategy that nobody ever follows or you know, that, that type of work. But we tried it to broaden it a little bit and talk more about the fact that we, 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 we want to seem busy in this day of, of an age. We want to seem like we're doing a lot of things. So maybe we are spending much more time on things that we can actually, spe you know, do in a, in a shorter period of time. We try to, um, to get a 100% security when we should actually maybe be satisfied with 50% security. We, uh, and when you say security, security about... Yeah, or you know, risk, you know, if you want to mitigate okay. some sort yeah. of risk, you know, you want to be 100% secure that you are not, that this risk will not occur, yeah. which is impossible to do anyway. You want to talk to, um, you, you make an, an analysis of stakeholders where you want to talk to 100 stakeholders when really 30 would have been enough. You know, we keep wanting to impress ourselves, but with putting more and more work upon more work. Hmm. And and we were for curious about why this is. Why do we why do we constantly you know um, if, you know punish not punish ourselves, but why do we keep, keep being yeah, keep being busy? Keep being yeah. busy. We, we were you know basically interested in the fact that a hundred years ago, you know, policymakers, philosophers, economists, you know, big time economists like John Maynard Keynes, they thought that it would be real, realistic that around twenty thirty the average work week would be 15 hours. That would be enough. If they basically looked at the numbers and, and basically just prolonged these predictions, they would say it would, they would know, there would be no more need than work about 15 because hours. Because of advancements because in technology. Because of efficiency and advancement in technology. And everybody that can you know, look around yourself, there are a ton of things that we don't do today that we used to do before. 
so technology has really helped us. There is a lot of efficiency uh, out there, a lot of stuff that nobody needs to do anymore. So these people were absolutely right. We did create a lot of, of um, small things that could prevent us from you know, consuming so much time. Yeah. Um, but in, for some reason or the other, this did not never transform itself into more free time and and um, and that was why why didn't this happen why did we find more work to do and and was that type of work we found out there actually real work or was it just a way of you have you have you basically just told ourselves that that work takes about 37 40 hours a week without anybody really contemplating on why that is you know how did we decide on that yeah, yeah you're right i mean <laughs> um, i was actually thinking some of the same things when i started reading your book mm -hmm. uh, because i had the opportunity to kind of let's call it redesign my life i, I sold the company so i didn't have a job yeah and um, so i was i was rethinking everything mm -hmm. and I, I actually i was thinking why we were working monday to friday mm -hmm. and then had two days off <clears throat> why not work three days or seven days or less hours i, I mean who made up the rule that we had yeah. to, to work Monday to Friday and then take two days off. Yeah. I mean, some parts of the world, they, they actually take uh, Saturday off, I think, and mm. then work Sunday. But mm. did, do you know? Nobody we had this came idea? up with that. You know, it just happened. You know, the, the work hours we, we, we have are usually the, the result of negotiations between, uh, mm. you know, labor unions and um politicians etc and of course also you know the people who have the factories mm. etc uh so, so they are kind of actually sub optimizations yeah yeah because they so are the rules are there but yeah. nobody's actually you know challenging the no. rules they're just saying okay how can we get the best out of yeah. the situation as yeah. it is also remember that you know in in the good old days in the, in the, in the industrial age it makes sense right yeah. because the more hours you spend on something usually the better it became yeah. you know, when you're more, at a factory you're standing at a factory and a machine you know spending two hours more on the machine was also worth two hours more of productivity yeah. but we don't live in that type of world anymore some of us can actually you know create a lot of things and a lot of value in a very limited amount of time yeah so the we have we have sort of inherited an idea of value that is very much um you know is, is connected to the idea of time mm. so the more you if you if you if you just pay people for their time you expect them to be more productive mm. but actually that's not what we see you know according to the oecd if we look at you know all the places in the world mm -hmm. and look at the uh, the productivity they have and the hours they work actually it's a reverse correlation we find that the okay. places in the world where people work the most hours they produce the least so basically the whole idea of time and productivity has sort of eroded over the years but we haven't really figured it out mm. so we keep repeating the industrial idea of time and productivity yeah. and value as connected instead so, uh, of just uh, basically thinking well if the job is done it's done maybe so maybe leaders are not that good at actually defining what the job is exactly. and when it's done. Exactly. Because I could relate to that. When, when is it actually done? Actually, I had um, a conversation in the podcast. Uh, he was a realtor from Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. And his idea was that people could just you know, go home when they were finished or do something else at yeah. work. Yeah. And I told him that I was going to, to speak to you about the exact same thing. But he says, uh, it's okay if they're reading a book, if they're finished. So I said, okay, could it be any book? 
Hmm. He would prefer if it was a book that, you know, uh, contributed to their personal growth or something related to their profession. But my point is, if we should, why should we go home and what should we use our time? What should we spend our time on if we, if we go home? Whatever we think is valuable and meaningful. Um, because this is a basically a call for getting meaning back into people's life. The people we talked to in this book who had pseudo work, who believed that a large portion of what the work they did was absolutely futile and made no difference to anybody. Uh, they were very, very, uh, they were sad about the fact that they were wasting their life doing mm. this. So maybe they should go home to their kids, uh, which we see less and less. Mm. Maybe they should read a good book. Maybe yeah. they should find out who they were, you know, have a more yeah. existential analysis of themselves. And just instead of going around in a wheel uh, like this, telling yourself that I am this job, I am this profession, okay. this is me. Because the more you look at the stuff you do and the more you think that it's actually futile and stupid, the more you get in an existential crisis yeah. with yourself because I've built my whole idea of myself around yeah. this job. And that's actually also why I asked you to introduce yourself without mm -hmm you know yeah. connection to to your profession mm. um, because when i had the chance to redesign my path i i actually experienced the the same thing because now i was no longer the ceo of this company mm. i was just me and mm. because i've spent maybe 80 or 90 percent of my time on the company yeah. and so little time on myself there wasn't much left i mean i'm still i'm still the same person yeah. but yeah. i just didn't spend that much time on myself and my ideas and, and, and my strategy and how i could grow as a person exactly um so i think i'm probably not the only one that 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 spends a lot of time on work and if that work is meaningless mm -hmm. or futile um we become demotivated and we, we get into a crisis yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with spending a lot of time with your work if that's what, what yeah. you're passionate about, if it's meaningful, if it corresponds to who you are. I'm not the one to say that you shouldn't work more than 40 hours a week, you shouldn't work 70 hours a week. Who am I to, do, to mm. decide that? But I will say if you think if you have a, a job which is as stupid as pseudo work and spending so much time on it, you are making a mistake. Yeah. But how can we figure out if something is, is pseudo work? Well, I mean, if we're in yeah, it, it's we're, some difficult to, to actually realize. What well, we realized after talking to these people, and we've been, I've been talking to a hundreds of people afterwards, most of them have sort of a nagging feeling that there's something theatrical about what they do. Hmm. They basically think that it's some sort of fraud, right? That they feel that they are sort of imposters of work. Hmm. Um, they, they, they get a feeling that time and again, they, they make up excuses for why the report they make is not downloaded by anyone and why um, you know the projects they sit with have have no real impact on anything um, and and after making so many excuses for that after a while they, they start to realize that there's something fundamentally wrong and then they start to talk with their colleagues about it and um, most of the people actually didn't realize this until they stopped in their position uh, and and looked back on what they had done before uh, but lot of some of them are basically people who actually have a real job, something to do, hmm. but because of corporate bureaucracy or, or, or government bureaucracy, or because of a, a ton of meetings and emails they have to read through every day, which makes no sense, uh, because they, they wait for some executives to take a decision that never really happens or happens in 10 months. You know, people who get constantly, you know, um, interrupted in what they do, 
they also they also experience pseudo work because they experience that all that stuff has nothing to do with value creation, but it basically just is a stop go phenomenon for them to work. So they also realize that they could they could actually they can see a real job out there somewhere in the horizon, but they never get to it mm. because there's a ton of other non-value-adding activities they have to do instead. So when you get frustrated about this, when you get home to maybe your spouse again and again, and they ask you, so what have you been doing today? And you must say, I do not really know. Mm. Uh, do and you think they would admit it at home? Some, some people would. One of the people we talked to said that it was more... It was probably more okay to uh, to admit a sexual perversion than to admit that you're <laughs> doing imagine, nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah, and I think it's true because even to 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 your partner in life, you would not admit no. that you're not doing anything meaningful. No, you don't even perceive it yourself as something that. I, I remember that I was once in a position. I say I was senior director. It sounded extremely fanciful. I was not really directing a lot, but it was in consultancy. <laughs> There's always these hyperbolic yeah. references to what you can do or your or your titles. And and I was I was really ashamed of it because we were doing nothing. I was looking into a CRM system every day, trying to get some leads to something. And everybody else knew that when we were going home at two o'clock and said we were working for home, from home nobody was working for home from home. There was nothing to do. But it took a while because I thought of myself as an important person who did mm. important work. But I found it more and more difficult to explain to people what I did without you know. <laughs> Doing, saying, you know, banalities and cliches and management yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that around. That's a way you can basically cover up what you're doing. Yeah. You can make it sound like you're, you know, you're doing something incredibly important. You know, I'm, I'm facilitating uh, <laughs> something between the management and and and, and people to uh, create more synergy. Or yeah. and blah blah blah. And nobody and it, it really has, knows what you're talking about. Nothing, right? Yeah. And nobody knows what you're actually talking about. But it seems very impressive. Nobody, yeah. if you ask them, all right, what you did that just told me there that you're doing. Could you causally explain what the steps are mm. in this? How do you actually create what you just said you are about to create? Yeah. And when you do that, people get incredibly embarrassed or irritated, or you ba because you basically pull the rug underneath yeah. some of yeah. their ideas about how important they are. But why is it so important to be busy? I mean, to be busy is what we are kind of uh, want to achieve. Mm. I mean, it's a little embarrassing if you said, "Well, I didn't do much today." Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, basically, just just uh, you know, we we become accustomed to basically answer the question yeah. with "Are you busy?" with "Yes,", yes. right? Or we ask each other, "Are you busy?" instead of asking people how how they are, how they feel. Yeah, exactly. Um. So so being busy is. There's, it's partly due to our culture. It, it is a sort of a Western cultural phenomenon that you know Protestant ethic of being business, a bit busy because mm. in this way you present yourself as somebody who is um, going somewhere, yeah, going somewhere, who has a high degree of moral, who mm. who who's sort of um, um, singled out by God, as yeah. the Calvinists say, to become a, a, a powerful and important individual yeah. and a good moral person. You know, there are tons of places in the world that doesn't function this way. In large mm. parts of Africa, there is not the same sort of work ethic in the sense that people mm. will will willingly show that they're doing nothing and will have no problem with that. You know, that's something that we have, as a Westerner, when you come to Africa, sometimes you're like, oh, they're doing nothing, these people. They are openly showing that they have nothing to do. But that's because they're not ashamed of it. They're not yeah. ashamed of the fact that sometimes there's nothing to do. So if you're in a culture where you're ashamed of having nothing to do, mm. you find something to do. Yeah. The problem with the modern up. world is that work is everywhere. You can always 
do some task, right? Mm. It's no problem to find work. But the problem is that it's work. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something that looks like real work and you can be busy doing it and say you're occupied and you can sit on your computer and tap things out. Um, but in reality, it leaves you with a shallow feeling that it was useless. But if we were really good at defining value mm. and the value would be different for each uh, yeah. leader and each company. Yeah. So let's say I have my own company and, and if I was really good at defining value and yeah. for each person, uh, um, acknowledging the, the value, but also talking about what is valuable in, in your working position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that case, there would be no shame in saying, well, I've completed this task and there's no more I can do of value in this regard, then yeah. we need to figure out something else yeah. or I, maybe I should go home. Yeah. So, so from what I'm understanding is that leaders and people in charge actually have real big issues with defining what value is Yeah, and they can make <laughs> people follow, do, do work that is actually valuable. Exactly. And here we come to the biggest problem of it all, which is modern management and mm. their problems with actually defining what value is because they have no idea what people are doing anymore. Mm. A lot of managers are completely detached from what, what their employees are actually sitting and doing. They don't know much about the value creation. They don't know much about the job. They are generalists. And as generalists, they haven't really, you know, they've, they have an idea that management and controlling of the production has something with using the right systems, using the right sort of performance goals, the right sort of contracts, the right sort of incentives, et cetera, et cetera. That's not that's not leadership. That's basically just basically using some 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 tools. That's 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 controlling. Monitoring yeah, it's monitoring and controlling. Yeah. It's looking at at spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations. It yeah. has nothing to do with leadership. But a lot of managers are doing this because they are profoundly ignorant of what, what the employees mm. actually do, and they're embarrassed about this. So they tell each other that basically doing leadership and doing management is basically tracking this sort of things and numbers and figures and documentations and doing mm. the right processes and SOPs, et cetera, et cetera. So we strive to, we want to, do, to reach these indicators, these performance mm. goals, et cetera, et cetera. So they get detached more and more from the actual productivity. They don't engage with it. They don't sit down and talk to the employees about, so what is your work? You know, what do you do? Tell me that. What is the goals you have for this mm. work? What is the obstacles you have? What, what, what helps you do your work in a good way? What do, you, what do you need from me to be able to do that? How is the relationship with your colleagues? Is, is HR or the communications department basically something that to help you or something to be a nagging thing yeah. that constantly polices you and tells you what to do? The rules and regulations that are around you that basically obstructs your work. How can we figure out a way to, to remove that? Are these sensible rules? Are these good rules? Or are they just bureaucracy that happened over the years, etc., etc.? And I, as your manager, will try to find out who, Im who imposed these regulations on you mm. to see if we could remove it. That sort of management would be fantastic to yeah. have, right? Um, <clears throat> but, but managers are, and I'm generalizing now, yeah, yeah, a lot of, of managers are basically more interested in impressing their managers yeah. and the next level and the next level. So they're leading upwards all the time. So they want to secure them and everything is fine by looking at the numbers, looking at the indicators, looking at all of that. Yeah. And you get an estranged management that's basically alienated from mm. the people and the people get alienated from their managers. And then we see this miserable system where a lot of people believe that they have incompetent managers. They're not stupid or incompetent, but basically they've just lost focus in their work. So it's very dangerous 
for them to start a conversation about value and value creation. It's much more easier to talk about hours and billable mm. hours and invoices, etc., etc. Because the, those are things that they know. They and, think they and, know. And yeah, and they can and they can they can move to a different company and start the same process all over again with having no idea what the company actually produces. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And actually, I think they were put in in that position, but they were never taught themselves what is the value that they were supposed to govern or, or no. to promote in the company. So no. somebody higher up has the same problem and then everybody has the same problem. Yeah. 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 Nobody's really specific about what kind of value creation we are doing here. They know that they are doing um, a product. Yeah. But that kind of leads me to the next question. We are uh, following these uh, stupid rules and we are not really focused on the real creation. Um, do you think that has something to do with meaning and purpose? Because if we are producing a car, then we know exactly what to do. But what kind of, you know, producing a car in itself is not a direction, but a purpose that would be, you know, over that production of the car. So let's say we are, um, let's say we are producing plastic bags. Mm -hmm. So everybody would know how to produce a, a plastic bag. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would know all the specific processes. But if, if you don't attach some kind of purpose or meaning to why we're doing this, they don't have a general uh, direction or understanding of where we're going. But if we said we were producing these bags because uh, they are friendly to the environment and we want to uh, replace uh, all the bags that are not friendly, then we have a way of communicating how to create value. Do you think we need like a surrounding framework for what we're actually doing that 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 is uh, founded in meaning or purpose no no <laughs> well um some do um but the whole purpose i the whole, whole purpose movement the idea that everybody wants some sort of big you know flashing purpose with what they do i think is a mistake uh, a, a plastic bag is a useful thing. A car is a useful thing. Making something, making a craft, having doing something with your hands or with your mind, creating something, looking at it, looking at it, putting it in a in a in a in a pluck, and and it actually works. You know, that is a fulfilling thing to do. Being in a in a producing something, creating something, being creative. I think in itself carries meaning. I think the idea of having to attach something grander than that on something is is something that probably from some people is incredibly uh, you know motivating but for many people it isn't because the problem with this is that then you have to sort of force some sort of purpose into something that's pretty banal mm. and 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 pretty pretty profane right and I and I think that that is a that be, you know as a as a consultant I did that for many years you know basically luring people into believing that there was some sort of grand idea with what they did but I know every day on the shop floor they only said yes we're doing this and then they stated the mission statement of the company when some HR person was mm. hanging around in the sh on the shop floor you know. They did that because a consultant came there and asked him, can you remember the, the mission? They were more like thinking they were basically at a, in an exam. It wasn't like on a day-to-day when they sit standing there doing their work that they basically had this, you know, this grand idea in their head. They were interested in finding something meaningful, purposeful, again, basically, you know, um, uh, answering a need somewhere mm. for somebody uh, with that product. And I think... I think that you know, so, you know, 
the idea of purpose can actually turn into pseudo work itself because mm. I've seen many consultants come to people who basically just wanted to do their job and now we have to spend two weeks on a workshop with post-it notes and ideas of a grand mission and vision that we know that most people have no interest in and doesn't really motivate what they do. The consultants keep saying, oh, that's because they're not good enough, these these uh, visions and missions. That's because we should just work more on them. But what if there's something from some, something fundamentally flawed with the idea? Mm. Uh, maybe people, you know, there are some very, very good um, surveys on meaning in work uh, done by both Deloitte and McKenzie. And, and they're idea of meaning is basically the, you know, the, the type of meaning I am talking about, which yeah. basically is doing the task, seeing it's meaningful, that it works, that it fills a need. And they can see, they can see in their surveys that people who have a meaningful job, this type of meaning, are more productive, up to five times more productive, more engaged, more everything. Um, and they really stress in their service that we're not talking about a grand purpose. They're basically talking about looking at the meaningfulness of the actual task. All right, um, so let's say we are back to the production of bags. Yeah, and you call uh, it the little meaning. You know, the little meaning. Of yeah, work. yeah. But to the worker on on the floor. Yeah, I think that person has different uh, incentives than than the manager, obviously. But the manager wants to produce more bags to mm. earn uh, a larger uh, profit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, when so let's say that we agreed that you should produce uh, ten thousand bags uh, mm. a week or whatever, uh, and you reach that goal, you reach the ten thousand bags, uh, and now you would actually be able to go home. Mm. But that's not what uh, then the there's manager. a stretch goal, and then there's something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but then that, <laughs> so the manager would say, okay, then you could just produce a thousand more. Yeah. So how can what kind of platform should we use to agree on the value? I mean, that's what I was searching for. Yeah. That purpose could be a platform to agree what value is, to um, you know, to make have common grounds actually. Yeah, but the problem is that you know that the the manager has the purpose that he wants to sell a lot of you know plastic bags and make money. Making money is not a bad purpose, you know. Uh, making money is is okay if we we don't have value creation if we don't have money if we don't have more growth you know there's a lot of things we can't do in this world you know we've somehow told ourselves that making money basically is sort of a a uh, an amoral thing to do uh, but it isn't in my book you know it's, it's quite all right to to make money so you're trying to basically some, sometimes I feel that the whole purpose idea is trying to to again sort of hide the fact that that's the idea mm. of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think it's perfect, perp you know, what the manager should do is say, we, we agreed on the 10,000 plastic bags. That's basically our goal. And now you have, you, you have honored your part of the deal and I have honored my part of the deal and now you can go home. That would actually make people believe in their managers. Yeah. That actually the, the, they, the things that they cite together is a realistic thing to do mm. or actually, you know, develop or, or, or the, the, the realistic goal are things that people would like to do. I, I, in my new book, also try to, you know, tell people, the managers how they can sit down, make realistic, res you know, agreements on goals mm. with people which are actual results, not indicators. Indicators mm. are nonsense, but actual results that we can we can do together with my help and we can reach that result and we can be happy and we can go home after that so 
would that mean that managers should be less ambitious or should they just get rid of the idea of trying to squeeze all the employees, the, the life they, out of yeah, all employees? They should get rid of that idea because it's, it's creating discontent, stressed mm. out, n- not motivated, um, completely disengaged workers, which we have yeah. everywhere because of this type of management. Because people, the whole idea of human resource management is a sick idea of basically telling people that they are resources. They're just another cock in the wheel. Mm. That was Frederick Taylor's idea of, of, of management, basically that these people are brainless people who just put into a machine and then there's an output that I make money from. And if people think that they, if they they can hear that they've been used this way, it makes them discontent. It mm. makes them angry about the work that they do. So if you if you if you if you talk with them and you make goals that they feel that they can live up to, that it's realistic, and then they see the point in that, then you are you can, you have much more happier workplaces than you have today. Mm. So it's not, but, it's but not, is not this being ambitious? It's not not being ambitious because again, you can be. You know, the problem with many, I think, organizations is that they're trying to constantly impress themselves. Mm. Right? We can go it's even grow. further, even further. And, and let's do the uh, the audit with a one hundred and ten percent completion this time. You know, you make yourself your own enemy. You're, mm. you're trying to constantly impress yourself by going in further and further without really saying, looking at it, and thinking, does does this just 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 kill people in this organization that we do it this way? So basically, it's what we're chasing that is the problem yeah if we're chasing more money then we get into the spiral if yeah. we're chasing happiness or a different kind of end goal mm. then we could change stuff yeah. but as long as somebody is chasing more money yeah and you have a lot of people working on the, these persons yeah then you have dif- then you have difficulties of actually you know coming to an agreement on yeah. how how to do things then you feel used right and and then you cannot be engaged with what you do, uh, but if you uh, so that's the the, I think it's quite all right, and I think we should tell each other and be honest about the fact that this company is here to produce to to make money, mm. but not to take advantage of yeah. you, because of it's course. when we tr- when we cross that line, that that we we know the productivity will essentially fall. Mm. For me personally, I could never just start a company to with the purpose of making money, because I think that's meaningless. Mm. Uh, I could never motivate anybody with that purpose. Mm. Come on, let's, you know, let's go to work this weekend to make <laughs> more money, because you know, <laughs> it would be the owner, mm. the business owner that would get all the money, mm. not the man or the woman on the floor. So, so there's something wrong with that. Sure. So, so uh, to me, it would be to change something that would really drive me and motivate me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it could, I agree, it, you shouldn't just make up some kind of purpose if mm-hmm. it was never there. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't, you know, pull something uh, down over people. But if there's really an idea, a vision, and some kind of mission that you're trying to achieve, then, then that fantastic. could be yeah. a good framework for everybody to be yeah. in, in the same understanding and yeah. to maybe want to mm-hmm. work more. Um, but the problem is that a lot of companies don't have this 
extra yeah, purpose. The problem is that you can also get to the point where you say, I know that your task you're sitting with is stupid and mm. idiotic and makes no sense. But remember our vis- mission. Yeah, right? it doesn't help. It doesn't help. No. No, these people are going to get disengaged because of that. Yeah. So you, so this in this way, you're trying to, to tease them into believing that the job they, they, they experience as stupid is really not stupid because we have this grand purpose. Mm. So I, you, it's fantastic if you have an, an alignment between the little meaning and the grand meaning mm. in an organization. Yeah. I would wish that for mo- for many companies to have that, but it it is it is dangerous to make it sort of an ideal for everybody else mm. to follow. Because yeah, let's say you yeah. you 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 sell milk. Yeah. There's, I mean, how or can you, you sell weapons? Right. Weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's yeah, make more dangerous weapons this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and you can all you can I can I can easily see a weapon producer gloss this into something that sounds fantastic and for yeah. the benefit of everybody. Yeah, we're protecting. But it's, the it's back to what. The, bu- the world of bullshit we're living that we yeah. become we, we, we teach we teach each other to become bullshitters right yeah. we teach our employees to become bullshitters so every time they do some fun task they think of how can I relate this to the mission in a convincing way mm. that'll make them shut up about asking me yeah. more questions about how I do this yeah. so you make employees into bullshitters as well and there isn't just enough bullshit in this world mm. for us to put more into it yeah. I want more honesty I want people to basically you know express what they feel about the work they do, mm. how if they can relate to it, if they think it's 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 pointless, if they have a feeling it's pointless. It might be wrong. That's another thing. You mm. know, there might actually be something that you think is a task that is stupid because you don't know the full value chain. Mm. And then again, there's a manager who have somehow neglected to inform you that this little piece here, as stupid as it might seem, mm. is actually used by Nils over there. Yeah. So so again Sometimes we experience that people be, think that their work is pseudo work, but it's not. They've just not been given the full mm. perspective of, of what they do because organizations get fragmented, they get complex, mm. and and the manager is not there to sort of unite the different stories. A management manager needs to be the person who tells the full story about yeah. how, how everybody are connected. But if everybody are sitting there with their own stupid little KPIs and their own their their documentation and their their own goals without being connected to anybody else, then we get a much much more fragmented organization where nobody helps anybody because everybody is focused on, you know, completing and putting a little mark uh, mm. with, with with besides all the different tasks I'm being measured on. Uh, I think we are afraid of stepping out of our comfort zone to do something different because we would immediately look different, obviously, but it would also seem as less because we have agreed that we work Monday to Friday. Yeah. We agreed that conclusions end up in PowerPoint presentations and so on. Hmm. What, what do you think? You think you're right. You know, they they want something tangible, right? They mm. want something they can see and they can maybe just show to somebody else. Yeah. And there are certain, you know, in this way we are playing, as I said before, some sort of theater when we yeah. work. There are certain roles we have to do, certain things. I'm an anthropologist. You know, that's basically what I'm interested in, how we how we keep reproducing stuff over again just because we've always done that. There's a certain way you do presentation. There's a certain way as a with a consultant and client relationship and it has this certain amount of paperwork that needs to be done. But but we should challenge people with this. You know, one of the uh, companies who I, I mentioned in my book um, is a consultancy company that 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 went to a from a four, five day to a four day work week. And one thing they realized is that Basically, they were writing, you know, consultancy reports that nobody really read. 
they could see that because they could track them, you know, mm. digitally. You can yeah. see people reading the, an Did executive summary. Nobody read anything more than that. I said, this is just stupid. Everything we make in this company can be described on a two-page executive summary. End of story. So, so we could save ourselves from time. And it, that worked very well because they told the client and make time, you know, spend time on saying, we know for a fact that people don't read what we send to them. <laughs> uh, so we can just basically, here, here's the concrete evidence. It yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So let's just agree that that and, and stop this charade yeah. and, 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 and we'll send you two pages. And again, if you want more information, pick up the phone, yeah. you know, contact us. That's what we're here for. Yeah. I, a, lot of, a lot of things that actually are done in reporting and documentation could be done by basically advice. Mm. Um, that's something that really is striking me that a lot of the irritating bureaucrats out there are you know, looked at as irritating bureaucrats and staff functions because basically people who do the real work think that they get in the way with their constant new ideas and procedures and documentation. What if we basically let these people be advisory people instead? You could basically call if you if there's stuff, stuff you needed help doing. Mm. So they, they write processes and, and structures the, the work and rules and regulations instead of, because they basically have a default observation about human beings that we are all stupid, right? And so everybody needs to follow this exact set of mm. rules because we believe in the, the, the lowest possible human denominator yeah. that basically everybody doesn't understand. That's why understand we wrote anything. all the procedures. That's why we wrote them. Instead, what about, what about using these people as a resource, mm. right? Calling them, they should call you. You basically, you should, you should say, I don't want to deliver a PowerPoint presentation. I'll tell you what to do. If in doubt, if you want to know it again or hear more about it, Call me. I'm at your service. That's mm. what I'm here for. To give, giving you advice, um, and I. So basically, I think we. This is a way of just telling each other that the job needs to be performed in a different way than than when we're used to. Yeah. We 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 could also just the reason why people sit in meetings which are tedious and they get nothing from is because. They think it's impolite to say, I'm leaving. I have nothing more to contribute here. You know, I've, it's not that you having a bad meeting, but it's not for me. Yeah. I have no interest in this. I, haven't, I can contribute with nothing here. But why is that not acceptable? We're too polite. You know, I, I have this fascinating story in my new book about this woman who really tried to get out of a project. She, she kept saying, I have nothing to contribute with here. It's much, more, it's much better if you use my resources everywhere else. But everybody in the project group gave her assignments. You can maybe do a, um, a digital... Um, <laughs> Uh, tr uh, travel digital travel through this new process or maybe you could you could write five page summary of what we do here and maybe you can just say but all of these ideas are bullshit mm. um, so can I please just get out of mm. this project group I can do nothing here <laughs> but but you said people were so helpful in their in their effort to try really? to give her jobs which had zero value so yeah. I, th I think we're too polite basically yeah, again we, we, play we don't this want theory. to be exposed we no. don't want we are so afraid that we're, you know, we're going to be exposed. And since we are leading upwards, yeah, a lot of I know you you, you state this in your book as well. Correct me yeah. if I'm yeah. wrong, but yeah. I, I think that we're spending a lot of time on making sure that we look like we're working yeah. and that we are important. Yeah. So if somebody was actually honest, then we would be exposed, and it not, it's not just one person; it's everybody who's covering their own ass and trying to look important. That is true. That's true. And and, and, and 
if one person is saying we we need to you know to stop the charades and yeah. just do work then everybody else looks bad yeah the, the problem here was as he said to me there's nothing wrong with their project there was a fine project but it just had nothing to do with me and mm. my skills could not be used in this project mm. but they felt that she was sort of attacking the project mm. just because she said it's nothing for me because we're so used to everybody will say yes yes i can do that yes there's work mm. for me here even though the work is stupid i'll do it so i seem busy mm. so basically basically pulling the blanket underneath this this rationale It's provocative to many people. It's yeah. provocative to say, I'm leaving this me meeting. It's provocative to say, can I please stop receiving those emails from you because I never read them, right? Yeah. And, and, and again, maybe we are, I, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in my new book in, in, um, in personality types because one mm. thing I realized doing this work that I've sort of um, ignored in the first was that many of the people who came to me and told me that they were fed up with their pseudo work, a lot of them said, well, I'm probably the person that sometimes says something that's a bit inappropriate. Mm. I do, I'm, I'm a little bit um, difficult to work with from time to time. I, I, I don't, some of them, some, a lot of them said, I'm probably not very good at, at minding my own career. Mm. You know, I'm a little bit too honest. And I think many organizations have a problem dealing with these knucklebacks, these yeah troublemakers they will say honesty mm -hmm. and errors honesty and errors we, are we, not we don't have an environment where no. uh, honesty or errors are actually acceptable everybody's saying hey you can always come please tell me if something's wrong yeah. no i would never tell you if something's wrong because uh, you wouldn't accept no that. no no there is a sort of a silent agreement that that means you won't do it right yeah. uh, so everybody is standing there applauding the, the one stupid thing after another because nobody is saying that's makes no sense yeah. you know we'll 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 forget about this one year from now and and this this new thing will never help anything but everybody's afraid to be the person who say who's saying that but there are some you know and also because in in in, in management theory in in organizing hr we've been talking a lot about appreciative inquiry and positive psychology mm -hmm. and 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 having an open environment and inviting it and all that sounds good But the dark side of that is that it makes it very difficult for people who are complainers to mm. survive. Yeah. If everybody needs to be positive all the time. So then you get a, a, a crowd of yes men who mm. are applauding even the most stupid thing. That's what went wrong with, for instance, in Nokia. Nokia had this sort of culture where nobody wanted to say no to management. Nobody would say it's a stupid idea not to look at smartphones. Mm. And what happened? You know, Nokia was... Yeah, pushed out. Exactly, because they didn't do it in a timely fashion. Because they were in this environment of yes-sayers who constantly just were, you know, scratching mm. the, the, the managers on their yeah. backs and saying, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's stupid. And, you know, organizations are killing themselves with, with, with yes-men. Yeah. You can find pseudo-work everywhere, both in, in private businesses and in uh, the public sector. Sure. Can you find it in private life? I mean... Am I doing, do you think that we, when we go home, we experience the same construct? That we're doing a lot of stuff that is actually something that we could do without? Does the idea apply in your personal life? There's a good, there's a good question. I never really thought about, about that. Let But me I, give you yeah, just an yeah. uh, example of why I'm asking mm -hmm. you. As I told you, I had the design to, uh, I had the opportunity to redesign my path. And what I realized since I spent 90% of my time 
on work earlier, and I, I spent 13 years on uh, making strategies in my company, but I didn't really make strategies on a personal level. Where would I like to be in five years? Mm -hmm. How would I like to grow? Where would I like to end up? Mm -hmm. So I actually decided to, um, to kind of think of uh, my uh, trajectory in the same way, to, to try to make a strategy for myself, not with you know, uh, profit metrics uh, or mm. tangible uh, goals like that. But maybe to be able to enjoy life more, yeah. that would be a goal. But that would also be, as, you know, um, an active way of pulling myself out of a life focused on work. Mm. So that's why I'm asking, do you mm. think that that we might do what we actually do on our jobs? We We take that home and do some of the same things? Maybe we... Uh, yeah, I haven't really some specific examples, but uh, but if we don't do, if we're too tired to make our own strategies, then we are, we're spending so much time on pseudo work at a job. I don't know if we have time mm. to do it uh, back home. I think I think we are. For instance, we're buying more stuff than we need. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not anti-materialistic, but uh, but back actually one thing I realized that I, again, a bit ignored in the first book, is that a lot of the people I talk to, when I ask them, so why do you continue doing this work? Mm. The basic answer for most of them is, I can't afford to say no. Mm. You know, the reason why I'm in this treadmill is that because I have a house, I have kids, I have a car, I have a social life, I have things I want to buy. So one of the things I... I want to stress in, in now is that you need to make yourself more economically independent so you can say no to work mm. which is stupid so one of the things we sometimes do in our in our private life is that we we, we have an idea that if i just get this house or just get this car and do i will become happy you know yeah and then we get it and nothing really happens or the ha the happiness is very short yeah um, we know for a fact that when you get to a certain income level, it has almost zero effect on your happiness. So yeah. there's there's, a, there's simply an objective measurement of when it becomes stupid to get more money mm. and, and more things. And especially if you are in a job which is stupid and you are, you are in this job to afford a lifestyle which in itself does not create happiness, mm. then I actually think you are yeah. in a sort of a pseudo work situation yeah. Yeah, in right. your private life uh, as, as at least you, you you implemented the same strategy yeah. that that you're kind of in in the same wheel but you need yeah. to take proactive actions to get out of that you do you, you do. have to do something different otherwise yeah. i mean but you could also um yeah i don't know if you have i think so the re from what i understand the mm. reason why we're in this situation is because um, some people can't say no to the money, but others actually can, but they would still be in it. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I was searching for some kind of meaning is because if we should say no to pseudo work mm -hmm. and just say, okay, let's call it a day, I'm going home now. But why should we do that? Is that because we want to spend time on more important things to each individual? Mm -hmm. Or why? What, what, what? Why? I mean, what is wrong with working <laughs> ten hours a day, well, and not getting any anywhere? <laughs> well, I think it leaves people shallow. I mm. feel think it leaves them stressed out. I, I, I believe very strongly. I think there's good indications that 
pseudomorgue is probably one of the reasons why so people are stressed out. Hmm. Because most of us can can do, if we have an interesting, funny job or do something that we feel is fingers experience as extremely fulfilling, we can do it for long hours and not feel tired at all. But having pseudo work is incredibly um, draining for people because it's a whole day with this type of work can seem like forever. So people get stressed out and they feel very uncomfortable and, and because they are in this situation, they think they're wasting their life. Especially my experience is that, as I said before, pseudo work really doesn't come apparent before in, in retrospect. Mm. Uh, you know, people will look at what they did and say, oh my God, I wasted so much of my life doing mm. this shit. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and, um, and that is a that is a terrible thing as yeah. a human being because we only have a limited amount of time. I don't know of anybody who doesn't say, "I wish I had more time." Time mm. is the only limited resource we have. Yeah. We cannot buy more time. Uh, so essentially, not spending in in a in a in a right way, in a good way, that you're proud of, is a catastrophe. And most people realize this only a little bit too late in life, mm. when they you know the, the, that's the classic example. Nobody at in on their debt. A deathbed will say, exactly. I wish I had worked more. Yeah. So again, we sort of forget this. Um, we only have this insight a little bit later in life. We should try to develop this insight a little bit earlier before mm. we're dying. But then we're actually back to the value thing. Because do what would we value more? To, to earn a little more, mm. to buy the new house, the new car, or would we value you know, to spend time with our family or yeah. people that actually matter to us. Yeah. Which do we value more? That would actually be something that we see in the choices that we make. Yeah. Um, so to me, at least, that would be why, I, you know, I would try to put a limit on how much I work mm. uh, on different things because I want, what I realized in retrospect was that I spent that much time on work and there was a little time left for everything else. Mm. Like, family and friends and you know classical uh, yeah. entrepreneurial his, his, uh, story yeah but um, but it's actually really difficult to get out of that because all the rules are made up to do this yeah. all, the way we behave and the way we interact are made to to do this yeah like you said before if you if you uh, you know run into somebody on the street and ask how are you you say I'm busy because mm. that's that's the best uh, charade you can mm. put up and, and nobody really knows what goes on behind that. Um, but you, you ha it's expected of you to be a person who's driven, who wants to build something, who wants to uh, you know, be successful and, and mm -hmm. maybe also buy houses and, and cars and stuff like that. Mm. But nobody's just like, okay, mm, I, I actually don't want to work that much. Mm. Uh, I would just like to work some of the time but spend most of my on of my time on on my family. Nobody's yeah. actually making those strategies that would make you the person who ends up on your deathbed saying, "Ah, no. I really actually didn't work that much." I think it's about to change a little bit. I agree that there is this fundamental, you know, uh, drive in this direction. But they, I also see. Maybe it's because I'm looking for it. <laughs> but I also see sort of small rebellions. I see. Mm. I see managers, you know, in in articles saying, uh, you know, doing interviews, portraits uh, mm. in art, in, in in newspapers, saying, 
Well, I decided I to work 32 hours uh, a week, mm. and I'm and I think that that's enough as a manager. You don't have to be the busy manager all the time. No. Uh, you know, CEO saying we could work four day uh, work. We have a four day work week that is spreading everywhere. Yeah. So I think we have a counterculture of mm. of of this. There'll still be a bubble of workaholics yeah. that keep impressing each other about being constantly. Um, overloaded with work and being yeah. busy all the time and let them be in that bubble you know mm. um, but I think it's very good that there's there's now an, an alternative story around mm. there are actually managers who say this and I think I think it's very important that it is managers who, mm. who's, who, who's expressing yeah. this saying to make it acceptable it's so important and I say that it's every time when, when if I sit in a room having a, doing a talk about pseudo work with managers nodding to what I'm saying, so 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 are you being um, are you being a role model here? Are you leaving the office at sometimes Thursday at one o'clock saying I'm done? Mm. Not saying I'll work from home mm. because then you're just you know, you're Continue. just imposing the same thing again. Yeah. But actually saying you know I think I'm done. Bye. See you tomorrow. Mm. I will I will be off for the rest of yeah. the day. And 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 a lot of managers are dead scared of actually doing that. Yeah. And, and that's because they're trying to lead upwards that yeah. doesn't look good it doesn't look good to, no. to, to, to their managers you're not putting in you're not putting in the hours no. now we're back to the value yeah. it's always what we put into the system not what actually comes out yeah. so yeah that's that's a big problem so again say so be that role model try to do that I, I will guarantee you, you your employees will love you for doing this yeah yeah and I think that if you tr- if you change your perspective to to try you know if we are if we are still on the same uh, methodology as we were in in the industrial times mm. which a lot of people are you know mm. trying to get the most out of human resources yeah um, and and by that I, I don't agree in that term but um, they're trying to squeeze every hour out of each uh, employee yeah. which is maybe the worst because you you're killing your resources yeah um so instead we should try to be on the same team because those are different teams so the manager wants to get more done and Mm. the employee maybe wants to go home so that's not on the same team so maybe if we switch teams and really try to understand each other and you know what is the motivation for each employee and and maybe some people would like to to work more in a specific time of their life others maybe just started a family they they, Mm. they can't spend all the time on work so we're all different all different in different periods of life no weeks are the same no month is the same it's going up and down all the time Uh, and if we don't if we don't recognize this and talk about this with our employees we're teaching them to fake it basically Uh, and and nobody wants to be have that relationship employee and employer that it's basically a matter of a theater a game we're playing yeah and that's obviously also really demotivating that we have to pretend all the time it exactly. would probably be you know a relief to just say things as they are and yeah. and yeah. skip all those things the, the coronavirus crisis was a very good example people were actually asked to go home and work from home and what did we see we saw people being ex- extremely productive in many places mm. and we saw managers who actually realized that the people will actually work from home they might be you know done earlier than usual but they're actually done with their task because they're not constantly getting interrupted by stuff that's not important so if we show them this trust 
they can actually do their tasks and probably be be done with them before you before they usually are. So again, this 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 has proven that again, if we just if we just get rid of the time frame and look mm. at the work instead, what has happened is that we have looked we've had decided on the time frame, and then we made the work in a way fit the time frame. We should do it the other way around, which is mm. say there is this work. Yeah. How long does it actually take to do it? So the coronavirus, in an interesting way, just shattered this whole system to yeah. pieces for many people, which was so fascinating to and see. And everybody was forced into it. Everybody was forced into it. So everybody was actually forced to look at the value creation yeah. and the job, not so much how, how much time they spend on yeah. it. And uh, and I really hope people again can use this insight and get back to their their yeah. job with it. Hopefully, um, otherwise they are just like let's quickly go back to. The old way, you know. I interviewed, uh, you know, um, a high-ranking uh, uh, person in in their company, and they were forced into um, to do this, you know, to work from home. And mm. and he told me that uh, now you can see that everybody is in in shorts at home, and <laughs> you know, we're all just people. And I think that's really healthy to yeah. just see that because sometimes we're trying to to separate our private life and our work life and trying to pretend that we're these successful people mm. that don't make mistakes and but you know everybody is often uh, incurring uh, encountering the same uh, obstacles and problems and yeah. and nobody's perfect yeah. and i yeah. think that's that's healthy instead of uh, you know trying to put up put up this facade uh, exactly. that everything has to be perfect and we have to do it this specific way yeah. Yeah. um I'm starting a new company. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I actually already started. So mm -hmm. this way around, uh, I've decided to do it in a different way. I'm actually trying to um, not spend 90% of my time on work. Um, it is actually really, really difficult because I realized that on each turn, there are rules mm -hmm. about everything. For instance, just the very basic concept of when to work and where to work. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to to leave our home every day and and be at a, at a, uh, in an office mm. from uh, nine to five. Mm. Uh, since I don't have uh, an office yet, I'm at home all the time, which is was actually quite difficult for me because I was used to, you know, uh, getting out of the house every day. Yeah. Um, so that's one rule. Um, another rule is that uh, we have to work, you know, nine to five, as we talked about earlier, and we also have to do nothing in the weekends which doesn't really suit me because sometimes I'm really mm. efficient, uh, you know, Monday, uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Mm. And then the other days I might have a down day and not be that uh, efficient. But I realized that on every turn there is like this made up rule that nobody uh, challenged. Uh, so yeah. it's actually quite difficult to yeah. do it in it a is. different way. Yeah, it is. And it, it's it's kind of stupid, you know. People are, are really, really concerned about the limitless work, right? Yeah. That because we've got our smartphones, we can work maybe from late in the evening, and we should basically work from nine to four. Who says that? Yeah, you know, exactly. Who's decided on that concept? Uh, and I think that you know, be, of course, some people can't can't live with this sort of fluid work life. They get mm. stressed out, yeah. and they shouldn't do it. But making it sort of an idea for everybody that we should be careful about fluid work and limitless work because we work from nine to four and then when you're off, you're off. But what if I get an idea at 
seven o'clock in the evening. Should mm. I just not get that idea because now I'm not at work? This is stupid. <laughs> you can't control it. No, because it's exactly, actually sometimes it's when you are relaxing, yeah. when you're not thinking about work, that suddenly a good idea pops up in your head, yeah, exactly. which is exactly why what we talked about before, you know, the managers should let people sit there maybe in the office for three hours just with a book, mm. doing something, doing whatever they like. Uh, because it's basically when they relax their brain that this, this maybe new type of flow comes and you actually think of new stuff. You know, nobody gets innovative when we, we say to them, be innovative now. You've got one hour of being innovative. <laughs> Nobody's going to invent anything. The third Monday of each month. It's Innovation can, yeah. Day. <laughs> Stupid idea. Yeah. You can't force innovation no. like that. So, so again, you know, we, we cannot tell ourselves when we work. And sometimes maybe we should be, you know, allowed to leave work at one o'clock because we say, I'm absolutely not inspired today yeah. at all. Yeah. It's pointless. I'll be sitting yeah. here. I'll be, and, and, and if my colleagues don't need me for teamwork, if, if that's the case, and of course you have to, but if, if not, I'll just work from, from home, maybe later in the evening. Yeah. So I don't see a problem with, for most people, with, with fluid labor or limitless work. Uh, basically, I think it, it, it's much more who we are, because it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy idea that work could be crammed into 37 hours. We're trying hours. to disconnect things, and yeah. they are definitely not disconnected. That's what we saw during the uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, We saw that, that people were working from home, and they experienced firsthand that it was easy and a relief to skip one hour in traffic each way mm -hmm. that made their entire life better small things like that yeah. but we're trying to disconnect things but they are not disconnected no. as soon as you're off work you maybe you have an appointment with your kid or mm -hmm. something else mm -hmm. uh, and the more you have to stay on work the the more it harms your private life yeah so i think that we would as managers also we need to think of life as a whole yeah like i was also considering before that uh what if we do if we have the same construct in our private lives that i mean it would be kind of illogical if if we do stuff at work but not at all in our private life so maybe there are some of the same things and again it to avoid this again managers have to get back to talking about the value yeah because if they're constantly focused on the hours as well we'll never escape this right but if the managers are actually interested in the value creation and know what the value is and talk to the employees about what are you supposed to do you know mm. what are the end results here what are we satisfied with if you get that sort of dialogue going then you can get away from the tyranny of time and time measurements yeah. and basically back to value and the one thing you get on top of that is actually no, no more knowledge about what people do yeah. so everybody wins by, by by trying to get away with with timing and time measurements yeah. and basically having a conversation with employees about what are you supposed to do what is the value you create what can we what can we decide on is a well done job yeah definitely so some of the things that i'm trying to do different in in my new business mm -hmm. um i'm trying to do I'm, I'm trying to make my business fly with a maximum of four hours every day mm -hmm. uh, that's the time that i allocated because mm -hmm. as you also write in your book work takes the time that you allocate yeah it's parkinson's law yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i'm trying to actually test that mm -hmm. so now i tried it uh, the other way, you know, mm -hmm. unlimited time to do all that I could every uh, day. Mm -hmm. But now I, I want to test out if, if it's actually possible to have a normal life where you, well, not a normal, but healthy life where you do other things than work. Mm -hmm. So sometimes 
and it's not it's it's meant as like a guideline so if i for instance work 10 hours on monday then then i i could you know work less the next day but it doesn't have to be four hours every day no no, no. and and i i don't care if it's saturday or sunday and mm. stuff like that and when i get an office i will uh <laughs> i will make a room that people can go nap in hmm? That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if they are like me, but once in a while I just, you know, get exhausted and, mm. and I need to just relax for a short uh, time. Mm. But just saying that out loud is actually weird. It doesn't feel like something that belongs at a workplace. It's like mm. an onset rule. Mm. Sleeping at work, that's crazy. <laughs> It's not ambitious enough. No. <laughs> Why are you sleeping? Yeah, but yeah. If, if that could help you to be more productive. Yeah. And I think in many cases that could be. I mean, entire cultures do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you get uh, south to Spain and oh, Greece, yeah. and they, they have a, a break in the middle of the day. As and long as there's a possibility. Because yeah. it, it wouldn't work for me. I'll get all drowsy <laughs> and confused if I, it wasn't work for me it's an option that but would again, be there. giving it as an option right yeah. and I, I think we should go back to again giving more people these types of options because and what again because otherwise we'll get in the same trap of imposing rules and exactly. say for instance you have to work three days from home each week yeah but why make it not optional yeah and, but we we're so we're so used to especially big corporations to make rules about every possible things and you get yeah. a personal an hr handbook which just gets thicker and thicker with more and more rules about what we do around here instead of making it much more you know up to the individual you know if you can benefit from taking a nap do that if you benefit from work at working at home do that mm. uh, to a limited extent you know if you have colleagues who needs to work with you and you are in a team you can't do it every day <laughs> no. so there is a limit but we can't tell you but we should trust people to figure yeah, that out, we right? We should basically trust people to figure out. Sometimes, sometimes people have, you know, the stupid, stupidest <laughs> ideas of what's possible or not possible. You know, people say, oh, we can't work from home because then I won't know if I'm contacting him, if I'll disturb that person. But call him. And if he doesn't answer the phone, he doesn't have time for you. You know, it's, it's as simple yeah. as don't make yeah. things more complicated than they really are. Use common sense. Yeah. You know, if, if it's not a problem that your colleague will work from home uh, and be not possible to contact. It's, it, you know, it, it, we just make up some stupid mm. reasons why we cannot do it this way, which is yeah. basically not very sensible. No, I agree totally. So that's why I will try to challenge the basic concepts of, yeah. of what we do and what is possible. Yeah. We'll see. I'll, I'll try some other stuff as it, well. Look, but, it sounds uh, like a good idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I think uh, that we need to uh, finish up uh, mm -hmm. for today. But before we do that, I just want to ask you if you have one advice if people are experiencing um, pseudo work mm -hmm. uh, on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. Uh, what, what can they do? How can they try to get out of it where should they start well they should basically it, it is a tricky thing because um you, you need you need to start to talk to your colleagues about it in in, in a in a careful way mm. uh, to get an idea of this um and and then you need to address it with your if you have a pretty good feeling that something is you are asked to do simply just futile then you need to ask 
your boss about it. You know, you have to have this sort of dialogue with your manager. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but, but, but they're not interested in this because it's also embarrassing for them that I'm sitting doing this sort of stuff. But then again, you'll never be happy in that job. Mm. So if that manager is, is angry with you for telling him that you're doing pointless tasks, then you are wasting your time with that manager mm. and you are wasting your time with that job. I think it's, it, I've seen so many people regret what they're doing because of this fear. Mm. Uh, so there, there is no way around it. You need to start a dialogue with your manager about pseudo work. And, and, and because at the end of the day, they should be interested in the fact that you're not creating value. Surprisingly enough, a lot of managers are really not because mm. things are going okay. And then get the your numbers point, right. <laughs> yeah, and then your point is, if they're not interested, maybe this is just not the place for you. This is not the place for you to work. Yeah. And, and hopefully, one day, if we all do that, managers who don't care about if their if their employees have a meaningful job, will be uh, out of job. Out of a job. Yeah, I agree. Thank you very much for that. So, if people want to connect with you and learn more about when your uh, new book is is out and yeah. stuff like that, where can they find you? Well, I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. Yeah. So that would be a good place. I also have a, a web page. Yeah. Uh, I'll drop links to both of yeah. those. Yeah. In, so in the show you notes. Can, can contact me. Yeah. yeah and read awesome. more about both the new book and when the book is out in English. Yeah. So there is a version of pseudo work out in English. Yeah. Very soon. Very very soon. Yeah. Yeah. And where where would it be possible to buy that? From your website, or? from yeah, from my website, or from any basic, you know, online bookstore. Okay, would happen. Cool. Yeah. And then later on, you're out with a new book. Yeah, that's maybe just in the beginning of next year. Or that's something. the beginning of next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that book is more about things you can actually do to counter. Uh, yeah, so actually, a lot of things we've been talking about today, okay. which was not in the original book, is in okay. that book um, because Exciting. I wanted to make it more concrete. I needed to. To you know, give some examples of what people could actually go out and do to limit the amount of pseudo work. So uh, yeah, it is a it's sort of a sequel to the first book. I would recommend you read the, the first one too. Yeah, uh, because again, there's a lot of things that I that I don't want to repeat in the second book. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's the foundation of the entire. Concept. I have to sort of make the argument that there is actually work out there that does not need to be done, and that mm. takes a whole full big book to do yeah. that that I didn't write by myself, but with a philosopher called. Anders Fogh Jensen. But the, the next next book is, is just me mm. uh, trying to be more specific about how can we actually turn the tides and, and get back to real work. That's really interesting. I, I'm definitely going to read your new book when it comes out. Thank you so much for taking your time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. It uh, has been really insightful and mm. I learned a lot. So I think me that too. people will also get a lot, get a lot out of this uh, podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you did, remember to like it. And if you haven't already, remember to subscribe as well. Thank you so much for watching. I will see you in the next one.